This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, I just learned a rather mind-blowing fact about you. Really? Earlier this morning. From me or from someone else? From you. (laughs) Okay. From tabloid gossip, Molly. Uh, I learned that you have never, and this is surprising because you are well-versed in film. Mm. You've never seen a James Bond movie. That's true. Never. Not a one. Not a one. When people argue about who the best James Bond is, I have, I have no dog in the fight. Like, I, I couldn't name them all to save my life. One, I have no idea about it. One upside of that, I will say, at least you never get the song Goldfinger stuck in your head like it has been stuck in my head all morning. No, no, I am, I am blissfully ignorant of the James Bond world. Do you just not want to see it? Um, I guess not. It seems like a big commitment. It seems like once you see one, you gotta see them all. No, no. I've just seen a handful. Alright, well people can write in and tell me which ones to see. Yeah, y'all tell, give Molly some recommendations for a James Bond film. But, um, you know, James Bond came up because our topic of the day is spies. Spies. And I would say when most people think of spies, James Bond is the, he's the head honcho. Yeah, 007. He's the most famous spy in the world. And uh, we wanted to take a look at some unsung heroes of espionage. And you might guess from our podcast that it's going to be the ladies. It's going to be the ladies. <laughs> and we found out in 2008 that... Britain's secret spy agency, MI6, was trying to recruit more lady spies and particularly mothers. It was funny. They they were encouraging moms to apply and assured women that they would not be used as honeypots. Yeah, honeypots. I think it's impossible to separate female spies from sex because of these honeypots. Yeah. And we don't even know how often a honeypot or a honey trap was used. But basically, as soon as there's a female spy... People assume that she's having sex with her targets to get information. Because why else would a dude talk to a woman than if he wanted to get into her pants? Yeah, and there's actually a recent news story about an Israeli rabbi who endorsed honeypot operations. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, for the good of the country, if you got to do it, you got to do it. It's not a sin, so he said. But, well, no, but he said if you were a married female spy, you yeah. need to divorce your husband first, <laughs> then go about your honeypot and ways, and then the husband could remarry you. Yeah. Technicalities, Whew. but Britain is saying, "Hey, you know, we're not going to do the honeypot ways, but we we think that you'd be a great spy, mother, mother." 
But this is kind of funny, though. They were they were worried. The British Secret Service Agency was a little concerned they had had a drop in female recruits in recent years because of a British TV thriller in which a female agent's head was dipped in a deep fryer. So they're like, oh, bother. And so they started this, uh, this revitalized campaign to say, Women, you won't end up in deep fryers. We won't make you honey pot seductresses. Uh, promise. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have to do this actually because there is an affirmative action movement going on. They do yeah. have to diversify the department, but they are saying that, you know, women can bring these special skills to the spy table. And, uh, you know, Britain's embrace of spies goes back to 1945 when this, um, confidential document was made and it was just released in the last few years and uh you know world war ii had just ended and so the spy agency was you know evaluating how things went during the war and this guy named maxwell knight wrote a report and i should note that some people think that maxwell knight was a model for m in james bond granted i don't know who that is because i don't watch james bond movies but he apparently was influential in them um, but he wrote this report about how the female spies had done. And he said, we need to get rid of, uh, we need to get rid of these perceptions that women are bad spies. As long as they're not oversexed, they're fine. Yeah. Well, oversexed or undersexed. He wrote, if oversexed, it is clear that this will play an overriding part in their mental processes. If undersexed, they will not be so mentally alert and their other faculties will suffer accordingly. And it is difficult to imagine anything more terrifying than for an officer to become landed with a woman agent who suffers from an overdose of sex. I mean, you know, it is true. I mean, it's kind of like heroin, you know? I mean, you, you just the right amount. Yeah, just the right amount. And you're fine, but a little too much, and you are you you're are crazy. worthless and dead. That's it. You might. I wonder if that but too little, and you're not. You're not mentally. You're alert. not all there. You just need a touch. I wonder if uh, the current job seekers are having to make comments on how sex they are. I mean, yes, yeah, 1945. The guy is not using the most politically correct language, and because there is that stereotype that all women are having sex with their targets, he's kind of saying. You know, we don't want those women. We don't want women who are getting into it just to have sex. Right. And there's always the risk of a woman agent falling in love mm. with someone because if they're having all this sex with someone naturally, we then we're going to get a touch. He also gives us a backhanded compliment in saying that the difference between men and women is that men are conceited and women are vain. And the why this makes a difference is that uh, most of the indiscretions in espionage accordingly apparently are are because of the men's conceit. They will be, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, glory from their spy activities. Yeah, maybe they'll take too big of a risk just to pull off a mission. But he said the women, because they're vain, they are going to express their joy at being a spy by just wearing nicer clothes and taking more pride in their appearance. <laughs> So that's how I express my joy of podcasting. It's not, you know, it's not the most, um, it's certainly not going to take its place among the great documents that have helped women get to where they are today. But at least the guy was making the point that female spies in 1945, he was saying they have something that we need to be exploiting. We need to be using. We need to bring them in on more things. And that's pretty admirable. But then in, uh, I say vainly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's taken a while for some of these agencies to catch on to all of that. 
including the CIA, because in 1995, Time magazine was reporting on a sexual discrimination class action lawsuit filed against the Central Intelligence Agency's Directorate of Operations, which is the service that gathers intelligence overseas. And basically a group of female spies uh, was alleging that the CIA was discriminating against them and pushing them into less prominent positions just because of their possession of vaginas. And I do think that, you know, in this article, the CIA made some interesting points about why women can't, you know, be in the field the way men can, uh, especially if you look at our current landscape with so much trouble going on in the Middle East. Uh, it's harder to send a woman there. For example, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia, she couldn't drive a car. Uh, burkas are standard clothing for a lot of women there. So it's, it's interesting to see how, um, the CIA is responding to the current situation in the world. But if there were ever people who could disguise themselves and get information anyways, uh, it's women based on some historical examples that we drummed up because disguises yes. would be nothing new to female spies or using their feminine wiles or, uh, or just, just being all around badasses. Yeah, or just taking advantage of this idea that women are in the background cooking and cleaning and they're not paying attention to this manly talk. That's how like all the spy secrets of the past have been, have been won. And so we wanted to spend some time talking about some pretty cool female spies. First and foremost, we gotta talk about Virginia Hall. Because yeah. to me, she is the coolest lady spy of World War II. And she had a bum leg that she nicknamed, what was it, Eugene? Cuthbert. Cuthbert. I don't know where I got Eugene. <laughs> yeah, it was her artificial leg. And so uh, when she was trying to escape Nazis, she had to walk on foot uh, out of France. And so she sends this message to her superiors like, Cuthbert's giving me some trouble. And they're like, if Cuthbert gives you trouble, eliminate him. <laughs> Cut off that leg. But we got to tell people what uh, what Virginia Hall did. Yeah, of course. She was she was a decoder. Yeah, she. Um, and it's so cool. It, she joined the special operations executive in Britain just because she met some guy on a train, and the guy on the train had the the foresight to see that this was going to be a pretty great spy. So she goes underground and works for the British. And uh, and then later, when she has to escape, when the Nazis get her, she she says, you know what? At first, they gave her kind of like a desk post. And she's like, I need to go back in. And so she goes in as a wireless radio operator to break codes and to avoid detection because Nazis had posters everywhere. Like, where's the lady with the limp? Yeah, they must catch her. The woman with the limp. Uh, she disguised herself as an elderly milkmaid and she would just kind of like shuffle around so people couldn't tell she was limping and she'd wear these really big skirts so that no one could tell she was limping and she could hide things in her skirt and she could, you know, help the parachute drops with supplies get in for the resistance fighters and she was reporting German movement. She was so cool. Yeah, she armed and trained three battalions of French resistance fighters uh, as D-Day was approaching. And listen to this. In her final report to headquarters, Hall stated that her team had destroyed four bridges, derailed freight trains, severed a key rail line in multiple places, and downed telephone lines. And they were also credited with killing 150 Germans and capturing 500 more. All with Virginia Hall and her old trusty Cuthbert fake leg. Yeah. And, you know, the, they wanted to give her all these awards and recognize her for her service, but she was like... 
no, you know, she kind of recognized that that was not what a spy was supposed to do. Spies do not get the glory. Spies mm-hmm. fade away. And that's why her name has come up a lot in recent years, because they've just not been awarding all her awards to her family. I mean, mm-hmm. she was decorated so many times. But she is only one of many. Now, one household name that you would associate more with the kitchen than with spy rings is Julia Child. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, during World War II, she worked with the Office of Strategic Services, which was a predecessor to the CIA, and she worked on cooking up, (laughs) cooking up a shark repellent for explosives on ships in Mm -hmm. World War II. Because the problem was the sharks would butt up against these explosives and then prematurely detonate them. Whoops. Inconvenient. Yeah, a little inconvenient. So she helped figure out a way to, uh, to coat these, these explosives in shark repelling chemicals. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. And she makes a killer souffle too. <laughs> what a, what a lady. Kristen, can I tell you about some of my favorite Civil War spies? Yeah. Uh, cause I am fascinated by a couple ladies in particular that I want to talk about. Let's start with Elizabeth Van Lu, a spy for the Union. Uh, she lived in Richmond, but she was a union sympathizer, believed that slavery was wrong. And uh, so she she took about spying to to take care of that. And the way she would get most of her information is she would pretend to be crazy. A great disguise. They, yeah. Everyone called her crazy bet because, um, you know, she would dress, you know, unkempt and she would um, just kind of mutter to herself as she walked around town. So everyone thought she was just, you know, off. You know, you kind of start to ignore those people. Like she was on her period or something, probably. probably Or that she was insane. (laughs) (laughs) They can be synonyms to some people, but whatever. Um, So, yeah, everyone is not suspecting old crazy bet. She's just the town's crazy lady. But meanwhile, she's walking around town eavesdropping on all the soldiers who are stationed there. Brilliant. She sends the information back. And uh, when people found out she wasn't crazy, they actually made them quite, quite mad, obviously. And uh, she, you know, because she believed slavery was wrong, she was freeing all, she would buy slaves and free them immediately. But she made one good friend in a, in a former slave named Mary Bowser. And Mary Bowser, just as a, a crazy bet was pretending to be crazy, Mary Bowser pretended to be illiterate and stupid mm-hmm. when in fact she could read and she was quite intelligent. And so, you know, a uh, crazy bet goes to Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy, mm-hmm. and says, Hey, I got a good servant for you if you want one. Uh, why don't you, why don't you take on this Mary Bowser? And, uh, so Mary Bowser is walking around Jefferson Davis's home, uh, pretending to be illiterate, but reading all the documents he leaves on his desk. Ingenious. And reporting back. So, uh, pretty, two pretty good ruses to get some information, being stupid and being crazy. But when that won't work, you've got to turn to some disguises of men. Yeah, this was, uh, um, I think you're about to talk about one possible ancestor of yours who went to great and kind of controversial lengths to disguise herself because she actually darkened her skin so that she could pass as a black man. Yes, uh, I was thrilled to see my last name pop up in the list of great spies with Sarah Edmonds. Uh, and, you know, her father was always disappointed she wasn't a boy, so I don't know if this is what led her to take up cross-dressing as her disguise. Might have something to do with it. But she wants to fight in the war. She wants to fight for the Union. So she uh, dresses as a man and takes the name Frank Thompson and goes and fights in the Army. And uh, then she gets the opportunity to be a spy while she's being old Frank Thompson. 
So that's when she takes on this cover of a former slave named Cuff, and she goes south and gets a job and just keeps her eyes and ears open and reports back all this information for the Union Army. So um, even after the war ended, she she kept getting disguises, and she apparently just really liked dressing as a man to do her spying. But, you know, whatever gets the information, it, it, it worked for her. <laughs> now, we have offered up many... Wonderful examples of American female spies. But to close, we got to talk about Matahari. Probably the most famous spy, even though some people aren't even sure whether she was a spy. Yeah, and, and Stuff You Missed in History Class does have a whole episode on Matahari. So if you want more on her, you should go over and check that out. But let's just, let's, let's give them a little, little tidbit. Okay. So during World War One. Matahari, who has, uh, you know, she's not born Matahari, but we're just going to call her Matahari because that's her exotic dancing name, which she takes up after she divorces her husband. And she becomes quite a sensation. Her sensual performances became the attraction of major European cities and men became obsessed with her. They just all wanted to come see her and court her and woo her affections. And among those men were many high-ranking French and German military officers. And as World War I proceeds, some people became suspicious that Mata Hari was spying for the Germans. So France puts her on trial. France puts her on trial. The charges are never proven, but nevertheless, she's convicted of espionage and executed by a firing squad in 1917. But listen to this little story. She refused to be blindfolded and she smiled and blew a kiss to the firing squad as the fatal shots were fired. And I just think that's such good, uh, a good lesson for all of us who may one day face a firing squad. Hopefully that will be none of us. But if you're going to be remembered, you got to do something kind of crazy. And if you're going to go into exotic dancing, be as good at as you, as you can be. So you'll be courted by royalty, military high-ranking officers. But if you are trying to dissuade a daughter or, you know, a friend from exotic dancing, maybe tell her that she might be convicted of spying. So it's, many cautionary tales in this story. Yeah, there's no world war going on. So that one might not have as much, that argument might not have as much pull. But nevertheless, Matahari. Super cool story. Lots of these spy stories are really cool stories. And so we only highlighted a few. We'd love to hear more from you guys about your favorite spies. Everyone's got one. Trading yeah. cards. Oh, and again, uh, a James Bond movie for Molly to watch. Because, come on, people, it's, it's absurd. She hasn't seen a James Bond movie. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah, so let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also leave all the movies and discuss James, Bo- James Bond-related things on Facebook or on Twitter. Because we check all of those diligently. And right now, I will read a comment from Helena. It was about the podcast about whether it costs more to be a man or woman. When we talked about shaving cream, and she writes, My sister and I have always used the men's shave gel and razors, which are cheaper. However, as Barbara Saul said, and you send the podcast, they will rest in the shower and leave rings on the side of your bathtub that are tricky to remove. This is easily solved, though. I put duct tape around the bottom of my can. It doesn't look very classy, but who's looking, right? Using men's stuff must become more popular, however, as Real Simple Magazine recently recommended putting on an old beer can koozie on your shave can to keep it from making those rust rings. My legs may smell like a barbershop quartet, but cheaper wins out for me. Very cool tip. I've got an email here from Eden. 
in Norway. And Eden writes in response to our Royal Weddings podcast on Prince William and Kate Middleton getting married that if you want a truly modern royal couple, look no further than the Norwegian crown prince Haakon Magnus, apologies for mispronunciations, and his crown princess met Merit. Not only was she a commoner, she was a single parent. Also, it is their daughter that is next in line after Crown Prince Haakon because the Norwegian law of succession has already been changed so both boys and girls can inherit the throne. Perhaps the royal conservatives of the United Kingdom should lighten up just a little bit. Ooh, I like this little Norway-UK uh, little poking, kind of like Canada and the U.S. Uh, that said, most people here in the U.K. don't seem to care about Kate Middleton's background, and I think the general consensus is that they're a good match. But, I mean, let's read between the lines. Norway's got it going on. That's what, what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, we did do that podcast about gender gender roles in Norway, Finland, yeah. no, other countries it, like that. And it is cool that the crown will pass down to the stepchild. Yeah, and I, I was reading a little bit more about this Norwegian royal family. Very scandalous. Don't yeah. You don't have to get all your, your British news from, I mean, all your royal news from the Brits. Yes, looking in Norway. Good in Norway. So if you have any emails to send our way, again, our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Head on over to Facebook, too, and like us if you would, and leave us some comments there. And again, you can follow us on Twitter as well, at momstuffpodcast. And as always, you can read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality? At our inability to get basic things done? At the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point. But which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Paper Ghosts is a true crime podcast that investigates the search for the person responsible for the abductions of four missing girls in neighboring New England towns. For more than 50 years, each case has remained unsolved. Every day is like being lost in limbo. I pray every day that we find Lisa so we can go on. It wasn't until this past year that things took an unexpected turn, a breakthrough. Answers to decades-old questions and witnesses finally ready to talk. I know that that's the person that was there. I can describe what he's wearing. I can smell him a mile away. Jesus, Mary, and Josephine. I hope that's not a grave for many. Oh, you know what? I think it is. Listen to Paper Ghosts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.